We are in the middle of our series on Easter Sunday, the This Is Jesus series. We're going to look at Mark chapter 16. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to please turn to Mark chapter 16. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, well, you can watch along, this, the, along with the slides. We'll put some verses up for you to follow along. But if you need a Bible in a translation that you don't have, do us a favor and send us a message. You can send a quick message to info at bridgecomchurch.org and ask us for a Bible in um, a translation that you understand. The, the Word of God is available in so many different translations. If you would like a hardcover Bible, we would certainly be willing to get you one. But we're in Mark chapter 16 this morning. Uh, we are looking at the This is Jesus series. And just as a, uh, to restate why we're in this series, just in the event that you're not familiar with the series, I am so encouraged as we're walking through this because we are getting a very clear picture of who Jesus is. See, everyone has an understanding of who Jesus is. It doesn't matter if you go to church every week, if you listen to podcasts throughout the weeks, if, if maybe this is one of your one or two times a year you check out a church, everyone that has heard of Jesus has some understanding of who Jesus is. And our understanding is influenced by our experiences. So I thought one of the best ways for us to really understand who Jesus is, is to see not just what Jesus said, but to actually observe what Jesus did. And here's what I believe, that the more we understand what Jesus did, the more it will influence our behavior towards him. Because when we have a full understanding or a better understanding of who Jesus is, it will change the way we respond to him and the way that we live for him. So here we are on Easter Sunday. We're going to look at the resurrection beginning in Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read the first eight verses of Mark 16, and then we're going to talk about some, some, uh, some things with, within that scripture that I think are significant regarding the resurrection for us today. Beginning in verse 1, scripture says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salmon bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So every year, Christians all around the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every year we talk about it. Every year we gather this year we're gathering in a little bit of a different way, but we're still gathering all over the world, celebrating, talking about, and, and just worshiping Jesus because of the resurrection. When I was a kid, I heard about the resurrection all the time. I grew up in a Christian church, spent most of my life in the church, um, went to different schools, uh, went to seminary. I've heard about it every year. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the biggest day in the history of the Christian church. And we would celebrate it by saying things like, Jesus is alive. We'd say he is risen. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. And we would say these kinds of things and we would celebrate them. And as a kid, I would do it just like everybody else. I'd sing the songs and I'd make the declaration of who God is and what he's done. And, and really with a heart of thanksgiving for the resurrection. 
But if I'm being really honest over the years, especially when I was younger, I didn't really understand what the significance was. I could say the words, Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. And that in itself is an incredible statement. But the why is one thing. How it applies to my life and how it really impacted my life is something that I've learned over years. This morning, I want to take a few moments and I want to ask you this question. And the question is simply this. What does the resurrection mean to you? What does the resurrection mean to you? We asked this question this week to some of our friends at Bridge, and they gave us some video clips that answered that question, and we want you to check out their answers. So check, these, check this video out. The resurrection symbolizes a time of rebirth. Christ made the ultimate sacrifice in order to give us the undeserving eternal life. It is an opportunity for us to make what is wrong right and to build and nurture our relationship with God. For us, the resurrection means hope. The resurrection gives me faith that Jesus will come back for all of us one day. The resurrection is God's sacrificial love for me that redeemed me so that with his love, mercy, grace, wisdom, and strength, I can fulfill the plans he has for me. For me, the resurrection means that my sins can be forgiven. To me, the resurrection means new life. I'm so thankful to have rededicated my life to the Lord at the age of 14, where he showed me there is a purpose and plan for my life. For me, the resurrection is another reminder that Jesus is the only one that can give us full fulfillment in our lives and in our hearts, and that he is the true light, and that we should follow in what he wants us to do. Jesus has the victory, and since I'm part of his family, I've got victory too. To me, resurrection means Jesus is who we claim to be. Son of God who was crucified on the cross, but death itself could not hold him. No, he resurrected. For me, resurrection means that Jesus is the best superhero because he defeated death. For me, the resurrection means that the wall separating me from God is gone. What does the resurrection mean to you? What does the resurrection mean to you? Not to anyone else, but what does it mean to you? This morning, I want to tell you what I think, if I could boil down how this applies to us and maybe what I think the most significant thing is for us to understand regarding the resurrection, I'm going to say it in one sentence. The resurrection offers life that never fades. The resurrection offers life that never fades. Now, you might be thinking, what does that actually mean, and what does it mean to have life that never fades? Well, well, let's just stop here for a moment, and let me, let me explain something and also um, identify with you on something, something that I personally identify with. There are things in my life that I get excited about that give me life. But if I'm being really honest about it, sometimes those things are temporal, and what gives me life for a moment doesn't give me a life very long. There are different areas of my life. Maybe some of these apply to you as well. For example... Stuff can give me life. Maybe stuff gives you life. When I was a kid, especially, Christmas time was a great time where stuff gave me life. A month before Christmas would happen, I'd open up the catalogs. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when there were catalogs, on, not online catalogs. There was no internet, just books 
of things that you would go through and you would make wish lists of things that you wanted for your, for, from your parents or from your family members for Christmas. Those were days that gave me great life because I would think about them, I'd pretend I'd be playing with the toys and, and then Christmas would come and I'd get this stuff and it was all the rage and I was excited about all of it. And then after a few weeks, I'd lose interest in it. Or maybe a month or so, I'd lose interest in it. And eventually, the stuff that I was super excited about for Christmas would end up in the closet. And then maybe a year or two, it ends up in a yard sale or the garbage can. And I think we understand what that looks like today. Today, people make tons of money going to yard sales, buying things that are a fraction of what they were actually worth when they were brand new. Why? Because it was life-giving when they were new, and now they've lost their life. Maybe it's the new car for you. It's exciting to do the shopping, to do all the research, to figure it out, get it home. And then when the first car payment comes in, if you didn't pay cash for it, it starts to lose its life. It was good while it lasted. Or electronic devices. Every year, the companies out there, the big tech companies, tell us why we need the latest and greatest, why we need the most expensive, why we need the newest thing. Why what you have isn't good enough. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe the next TV show or series comes out. All of these things are not bad in themselves. All I'm trying to say is that sometimes these things have life. And then if we're really not careful, it loses its life. Because it wasn't designed to hold our attention forever. We live in really uncertain times right now. Time off can be one of those things. I remember not too many weeks ago, when people were getting laid off from businesses temporarily, or especially students that were being asked to stay home from school. I remember that first day when you heard all through the area, it was like this cheer through our area, through the Montgomery County area. School is dismissed. People are going to go home. And there was this cheering, and people were excited about it. Students were excited about it. It was really awesome, and it was life-giving. Well, a couple of weeks go by, and then it loses its life, and now it doesn't feel like it's exciting anymore. No, now it feels like you have a prison sentence when you have to stay at home. I know just a couple days ago they announced in Pennsylvania that schools are going to stay closed through the rest of the school year, and I'm pretty sure that the response that people gave then wasn't the same as it was when we first had the kids out of school. Maybe it's none of those things for you. Maybe it's simply relationships. You know, they can lose their life too this amazing new boyfriend, this amazing new girlfriend. They can't do anything wrong. Maybe that's your situation. I met this guy, I met this girl. Oh, they're just the perfect person and I love them and there's nothing wrong with them and they're all excited. We do this in pastoral ministry when we meet people that are, that are in dating relationships and they're getting ready to be married and, and, and they're doing premarital stuff and, you know, and the person's just so amazing and they're wonderful and everything is so great and every question they can answer is like pie in the sky, perfect. And, and man, I, and sometimes I'm a heart, I just laugh because I'm like, well, you know, it has a lot of life right now. But if you don't keep investing in it, it's going to lose its life. And one day, that person that you think is so amazing and awesome, you might look at it and say, they're not quite as perfect as I thought they were. And things start to change. You see, the practical things of our lives can lose life. And that's really all I'm trying to talk about, is that we can invest our life in things that will lose their life. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, that points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, offers us a life that doesn't fade a life that never fades. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he said, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You see what he said there in the middle of verse 3? New birth into a living hope. One translation said he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. What does that mean? It means that it's a life that never fades. A life that never fades. It means that God offers you and he offers us through his son a life that never fades. This morning, I want to take just a few moments and talk about what a life never fades looks like in two different perspectives. I want to look at it from the temporary or the today, and I want to look at it from the tomorrow. Because Jesus' resurrection life offers you and offers me life that influences our today as well as our tomorrow. First, I want to look at the tomorrow. Because the tomorrow is the thing that most of us camp on when we think about Christianity and we think about our relationship with Jesus Christ. That he didn't come to die just for today. He came to die for our eternity. And that's true. And that's significant. It is where our eyes need to look to first. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live even if they die. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live, even if they die. You see, we all experience physical death. We will all experience physical death. But Jesus came to fulfill God's mission. And what was God's mission? His mission was eternity. His mission was to restore relationship between you and God. Jesus' mission was to bridge the gap between us and God. The separation that occurred because of sin, Jesus came to be that gap, to to fill that gap, so that there is no longer a separation between me and God the Father, that I can actually know God and be in relationship with him, have conversations with him, have his spirit dwell in me so that he can be in in my heart, he can live in my heart. And one day when I'm in relationship with him for eternity, there'll be no separation because my physical body will be gone and I'll be in the Lord's presence. That we can know God with a living hope that never fades for the tomorrows. This is a message that we know. As followers of Christ, if you don't know that message today, it's a message you can have as well, that you can receive. Because the Apostle Paul reminds Christians in 1 Thessalonians, he says, guys, you're going to grieve. You know, we grieve. Humans grieve. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what culture, what background you are. If you're human, you grieve. There are times in your life that you experience intense tragedy, pain, and sorrow. And when you lose someone who's close to you in death, That's some of the worst type of grieving that you could ever experience. And yet what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica is, though you will grieve, you will grieve unlike those who have no hope. Because he points out in that scripture in Thessalonians that the type of grief followers of Christ have is a grief that does not connect with hopelessness. Because in Christ, there is no goodbye. There's no goodbye. There's a see you later until we meet again because we know that the world that we're in here is not the only world. That being with Jesus is a whole purpose. The whole purpose of the resurrection primarily was to influence our tomorrow. It brings an assurance to us that there is more beyond this life. It brings an assurance to us that Jesus has something 
bigger for each one of us through faith in his work. And God has a bigger plan that we cannot always see in the physical. And because of that plan, we can have a peace that passes understanding. Some of you at Bridge have heard my story over the years where many years ago I had the opportunity to to go to Florida and visit with my grandfather shortly before he passed away. And um, the history with that uh, is unique to maybe some of your histories. Um, When I was four years old, um, my grandmother passed away and then my grandfather moved to Florida and I didn't see him for 27 years. Um, Yeah, I still remember walking into his hospital room the first time after not seeing him for 27 years and he said, so what's up? (laughs) And I looked at him and I thought, How do you answer that when you haven't seen someone for 27 years? What I wanted to say was life. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, But the point I'm trying to make here, or I want to get to, is that um, he he was dying. And I found out that he was dying. His organs were shutting down, and he wouldn't live much more than another week or so. And I went down to visit him because I haven't seen him in all of those years. He wasn't a man that knew Jesus. He didn't have a relationship with Christ. He grew up in a Jewish home. Didn't have, uh, um, didn't have a faith that I knew anything about because I didn't really know him. What I did know in my observations with him is that he was a pretty uptight, irritable person in that bed. And it wasn't because um, of, of one thing. It was multiple things. One of the things that I noticed was just how he suffered from... Um, from a form of, of arthritis that was so bad that when you would move him in his bones, you could hear them creak and you could hear them crack, crack and rub together. It was very painful for him. But he was a very angry, irritable person when I met him and when I saw him. Had an opportunity to talk with him for a few days, ended up coming home, and then about a week and a half later, went back again when I realized he was still alive and I was able to meet with him again. In that second meeting, and I'm sharing this story because I think this is, this is powerful. I still remember this as it was yesterday. It was in that second meeting that I had an opportunity with him to invite him to make a decision to follow Christ. And when he chose to make a decision to follow Jesus, I remember praying with him, and I remember instantaneously a change in his disposition. He went from an angry, irritable person who was just mad at everything around him to someone that had incredible peace. And he smiled for the first time that I saw him. So much so that when his wife walked in into the room, into the room and she was outside, she looked at him and cocked her head like something was wrong. And he smiled and he said, Paul just converted me. I'm a Christian. And he smiled from cheek to cheek. And I never forget that. I still think about that all the time. And the reason why I think about it is because I'm reminded of something, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ influences our ability to experience a life that never fades. And he was just about ready to transition off of this world and away from this world into eternity. And he grabbed hold of Jesus and he grabbed hold of Jesus. And when he grabbed hold of him, Jesus gave him a peace that he never experienced before. A peace that passed understanding. A peace that doesn't last for a moment, but a peace that lasts for eternity. Jesus came, and because of his resurrection, he influences our tomorrow. We understand that. I understand that as a follower of Christ. He can influence your tomorrow as well if you trust him and know him as Lord and Savior. But I want to turn the corner just for a moment, and I want to mention one other thing, because sometimes we spend too much time thinking about the today and not about the tomorrow. 
it's harder for us sometimes to think about the future than it is for the now, especially in times like this. Especially when we're being told to stay home. Especially when we're being told that people are losing their jobs. Especially when we're being told that that we're not sure how far this virus is going to spread or what's going to happen. And there's a lot of stuff that's being told to us in the today that makes it difficult for us to focus on the tomorrow. But I want you to know something this morning, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ doesn't just influence our tomorrow, it influences our today. And here's what I mean by that. I mean Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms all through the scriptures. People know it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse, chap- in verse 4 of chapter 23, the writer of Psalm 23 says this. Look, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, One traditional translation says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think what's so powerful about that is we all understand what it's like to be in a valley, to be in a dark valley, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you know what I camp on when I look at that scripture? I don't look at the dark valley. I don't look at the shadow of death. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at the fact that I may be in the valley, but I'm walking through the valley. That you and I are walking through the valley. And we don't walk through the valley just because we do it in our own strength. I think about what Jesus did for me and what he can do for every one of us. That because of his resurrection power, he influences my today. Which means because of the resurrection, I can walk through the valley. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus, I can walk through difficult times. I can walk through uncertainty. You can walk through uncertainty because of who Jesus is. You can walk. You don't need to let things paralyze you with fear to be terrified. No, what it says in scripture is that he is our rod and our staff. His staff and his rod, they comfort us. Why? Because a rod is synonymous with him being our defender. His rod is synonymous with him being our defender. And how did he defend us from things? Through the cross. He took every burden, every temptation, every condemnation, every shame, and he hung on that cross and he bore your sin and my sin so that we don't have to bear it. With his rod, he becomes our defender and he fights for us. His staff, his staff leads us through as a counselor and a guide. He shows us that we can continue to walk. And can I tell you this morning, the most important thing that I would ever walk away from the resurrection, besides the eternal salvation that I have in knowing God forever, which is the main reason, is that today, today, I can begin to walk because of what Jesus did. Because he lives, I can walk. Because he lives, I can continue this journey that I don't have to freeze. I don't have to get stuck. This past week, I was thinking about oxymorons, and some of you know an oxymoron is are, that's when two words are, are, are um, put next to each other that, are, that contradict each other. Oxymorons contradict each other, and they don't belong together. You know, things like plastic glass and jumbo shrimp. Deafening silence. They don't make sense when they go together. Can I tell you two other words that don't make sense? Paralyzed Christian. 
paralyzed Christian don't go together. Can I tell you something this morning? You may have fear in the midst of what you're walking through right now or going through right now. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't go in your own strength. You go in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Even though you have fear, you can walk through your fear. Can I tell you, if you're struggling with uncertainty right now, if you're not sure what you're going to do tomorrow, what the future holds, you don't need to become paralyzed. In fact, Jesus died and rose from the, ga- the grave again so that the living hope he offers you and offers me can be realized today by each one of us. That we don't need to listen to the things around us to determine whether today is a good day or a bad day. We don't need to wonder or, or, or debate whether or not things are going to get better next week and therefore our demeanor gets better. Our attitude gets better. Our attitudes can be in confidence today. We can walk in a confidence. We can walk in a peace. And can I tell you, even if what we're walking through is a valley, even if what we're walking through is uncertainty, even if what we're walking through is just downright scary and fearful, can I tell you, we can still walk. You can still walk. Not because of who you are, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is, you can still walk. He offers us hope, not a temporary hope, a living hope that never fades and never fails. Can I ask you this morning, do you have life that that never fades? Do you have life today that never fades? Have you ever made a decision to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. People are always looking for something they can hold on to that gives them life and the life never wanes. The only thing that you're ever gonna get a hold of that will never wade, wane or fade is the life that you can have through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, why not let today be your day that you can know him? If you don't know Jesus today, why not be the day, today be the day where you're not checking a box, you're not just listening to a message, but you're actually taking a moment saying, you know, everyone around me is looking for peace. Everyone around me is looking to create some type of a, of a healthy rhythm or environment in an uncertain world. And, and some people are looking for that life and that joy through stuff. And some people are looking at it through relationships. And some people are looking at it through anything they can put their hands on. But can I tell you, all of it is temporary. Because the one thing that will give you life that will never fade is knowing Jesus. Would you take a moment and just bow your heads with me today? Father, I just want to ask you this morning that the resurrection power, the resurrection power that we have through knowing Jesus would not just be a story that we would read today, would not just be a testimony that we would hear, but it would be life-giving truth that transforms our lives. May we be reminded today, Lord, yes, that you died and you rose again so that our tomorrow can always be secure. 
Lord, may we be reminded of that each day, that there is a relationship that you died for and you arose again for, and that I can know my heavenly Father and I can commune with God and I can be in relationship with him for eternity because of the faith that I put in you, Jesus. But Lord, may we also be reminded today that because of your resurrection power, I am not paralyzed. Because of your resurrection power, I am not fearful and unable to move. Because of your resurrection power, I can walk. God, I pray each person that's listening today would grab a hold of that truth and walk with a confidence in you, thanking you for dying and for raising again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.